0: The hour to which the podcast adjourned having arrived. The podcast is now in order.
1: We're celebrating this week the Quasquicentennial, that's 125 years, of the Statehouse News Service. We carried you into this podcast on the notes of Louis Prima and his orchestra. A little slice of news service history because the drum beats there were provided by Jimmy Vincent, born James Vincent Ferrassi of East Boston. He was a copy boy, a messenger for our news service up here on Beacon Hill, running our mimeographed copy down in Newspaper Row back in the 1930s before he ran off with Prima's orchestra to Las Vegas. And uh, you might actually have heard some of his drum beats on some of the jazzy numbers from Walt Disney's A Jungle Book. Well, anyway, we had a little soiree Wednesday night to mark our anniversary with remarks from the Senate President, the House Speaker, the Lieutenant Governor. And this week's podcast is an abridged tape of that program. Please stick around for their thoughts on the state of Beacon Hill journalism and the news service's place in that sphere, along with a delightful story straight out of 1963 from Peter Lucas of the Lowell Sun, formerly of the Boston Herald, who these days is the dean of the State House Press Gallery, and a toast to the last 125 years and the next from Shelley Cohen of the Boston Globe's editorial page. You may have heard we wrote a little book Craig Sandler and I authored On Top of Beacon Hill, The Statehouse News Service at 125. That's on Amazon. Encourage you to check it out. The Senate president in her remarks will highlight a few milestones from the saga of the news service, particularly one of our favorite characters, Alberta Copeland, one of our early owners who was a pioneering woman in the journalistic craft. Without further ado, we'll take you back to Wednesday night's program with the MC of the evening, our manager, Craig Sandler.
2: We have the best customers in any business in Massachusetts. <laughs> here's to you. I definitely want to thank you all for being here. I want to thank our hosts, uh, President Spilka and Speaker DeLeo. And with that, I will turn it over to them. Please welcome Senate President Karen Spilka.
3: The State House News Service might be small, but it is mighty. And it would be impossible to overstate the importance of the State House News Service to the political and civic life of Massachusetts. The News Service was the brainchild of Charles Mann, who I have to claim being a resident of Natick originally, <laughs> um, founded it in 1894. Mann turned the News Service over to Charles Copeland, And when he died, his wife, Alberta, took over. In 1914, six years before women gained the right to vote, and I say that again, 1914, six years before women had the right to vote, Alberta petitioned the House of Representatives for admission to the floor. She was running the State House News. She petitioned the House uh, in order to access, quote, the news service seat located to the left of the rostrum. We seem like now it wouldn't be a big deal. I know, Mr. Speaker, you would grant that in a heartbeat. (laughs) One outlet covered it and said, a woman walking about the floor of the Massachusetts House of Representatives, think of it. Yeah, it has never happened, it had never happened before. Long overdue, but you know, I won't editorialize too much. Her persistence made the headlines and Alberta eventually became the first woman given privileges to access the floor of the House of Representatives. In 1944, Alberta formalized the news service into the State House News Service and she served as manager from 1913 to 1947. Those of you who know me know how much I love pioneering women and the role that pioneering women have played in all of our history. So I was thrilled to learn of this origin story of the State House News Service And it doesn't surprise me that some of the most intrepid among us ended up being involved with this organization, including those of you who work for it now. Tonight will be a fun evening, and all of you deserve to celebrate. But I don't want this moment to go by without being serious for a minute and to say from the bottom of my heart on behalf of the Senate Thank you for all that you do. For all of the fun that we have up here on Beacon Hill, we have to remember that members of the media are under attack all over America. President Trump's rhetoric about fake news media is just plain dangerous. Attack on the free press are, in my opinion, deeply un-American, and contrary to all that we hold dear here in Massachusetts and the United States. And I have to acknowledge that we may not always love the questions that you pose to us, really, really. (laughs) to be fair and truthful, but as taxpayers and citizens, We are glad you asked them. And we are glad that you're on the floor of the House and the Senate so that the public can access what we say and what we do when we are in session. You serve as a very important conduit from the legislature as we do the people's business for and to the people. As a process, it may seem simple, But for our democracy, it is profound. And for that, we are truly grateful. As JFK, our native son, once said, there is a terrific disadvantage in not having the abrasive quality of the press applied to (laughs) you (laughs) daily. Even though we never like it, and even though we wish they didn't write it, and even though we disapprove, there isn't any doubt that we could not do the job at all in a free society without a very, very active press. Unquote. That was his quote. So the State House News Service is the very definition of a very, very active press. And so I hope that you're taking the night off to enjoy your celebration. On behalf of the entire Senate, I'd like to thank you for your professionalism, your integrity, your doggedness, and your partnership in making our work accessible to the people of Massachusetts and for holding us accountable. I'd like to commend Craig and Michael for making the Modern News Service the successful organization that it is today. And just remind people that they got their training from another extraordinary woman, Helen Woodman. <clears throat> she, ran, she, she ran the State House news Service from 1979 to 1996, a pretty long tenure ure in of here. And her legacy is secure with all of you. And I wish you the best of luck as you move into the next 125 years.
2: Uh, next up we have um, House Speaker Robert DeLeo. The uh, reception area of Speaker DeLeo's office is directly underneath the State House News Service office, so I just want to assure you that you know, everything that we collect on our hands and knees with our <laughs> ear to the floor during our daily hour of, of, of doing that is off the record. Speaker, speaker to Leo.
4: <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Craig, uh, for that kind introduction. And I also <laughs> And I also want to sincerely congratulate you and your team on this impressive milestone. As the Senate President had stated, I am very pleased and honored to be joining with her, as well my friend and colleague on the Senate, Lieutenant Governor uh, Polito, as well as uh, Shelley Cohen and Peter Lucas, who will be speaking a little bit later, who I'm sure will be a lot more entertaining than (laughs) me. You know, I'd have to say that the reporters, Policymakers and advocates alike rely on the news service each day to keep up with the happenings on Beacon Hill. And I think that's a statement that's more true now than it ever has been. When we look in terms of what's happened relative to technology and the like, the more and more folks out there who rely on the State House News Service. In all seriousness, I think here in Massachusetts especially, we value an independent and informed media. It is one of the pillars of our democracy. Today, we're not here as enemies. As the Senate President has mentioned, as Mr. Trump and others would like to have us, all of us here today to um, believe. Now, I want to make one thing. We're not here as enemies, but I don't really, I'm not sure if we're here as friends either, okay? Yes, we are. Okay, all right, can we get that straight? Sorry, Seth, everyone's going to yell at me. (laughs) That's going to be the only quote in tomorrow's paper.
2: Murphy, you got that.
4: (laughs) That anyone who knows that, it's me. (laughs) But I'd have to say, in all seriousness, but we are colleagues. With a mutual respect for the jobs, that each of us is trying to do, and for that I sincerely thank you. That's why when we talked about the sponsoring of this evening's event, I was only uh, so proud to do so. So to all of you, I'm proud to be, again, one of the sponsors for this event this evening, and I sincerely want to thank you for having me here today, and really thank you so much for the great work that you do on a day in and day out basis. And I also, it's okay, you can applaud, please. <laughs> I expect to see this on the wall. A bit, right? Yeah, yeah. frame. Yeah, yeah, Perhaps yeah. we can get yeah, some Please, music. please. <laughs> but I just want to, on behalf of the members of all of the uh, House, congratulate you and wish you the very best on your 125th anniversary. Congratulations, God bless.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Lieutenant Governor Toledo. So absolutely.
5: 125 years of anything to celebrate is a big deal. And to celebrate a news uh, media outlet of 125 years is a really big deal. And to uh, bring us together as a community, uh, to look around this room and see sort of the alumni of uh, the State House News uh, Reporting Service. And to see uh, veterans of state government come back and some, some newer members of this uh, state government team want to be in this room uh, to sort of highlight and recognize the importance of the service, which is what I'd like to do now, just to thank uh, Craig certainly and all of you. Uh, this is a treasure, so I don't know if everybody has this. If, if you don't have it here, you can probably get it on online. I, I love this. Thank you um, Someone said that they would uh, send it to me. I said, no, no, I'm going to take my copy with me because I'm sure these are going to go fast. So I'm really happy to have this. But I think for me, when I think about the State House News Service, it does bring me back to the time period when I served in the legislature. And I remember uh, then uh, during that time, we were in uh, uh, before social media, before uh, technology really allowed people to share information with the folks at home. And uh, having you literally present on the floor recording uh, all of that information was so valuable. Uh, but now as I think about my, my work uh, for statewide, uh, in a statewide position, I think about the value of the uh, Statehouse News Service and that while you sit in the state's capital, you bring together information uh, factually in a nonpartisan way. And in um, an objective manner that is able to be shared across this Commonwealth. And while you uh, have this little space in this room across the way, which has <laughs> never changed, nope. that's been part of your tradition, you reach so many communities across this Commonwealth. And having been to every single one, the fact that your news, your reporting, your staying late at night and into the bowels of the State House, into hearing rooms and legislative sessions that go late and go, go long. And to record that information in a factual manner so that someone in remote place in this commonwealth can read it and feel like they were there is a tremendous gift. And I think in a way someone said to me earlier, this is sort of old fashioned reporting. Old fashioned reporting that transcends the test of time. Which, in the age of technology, I think is a real test uh, to any one of us, but a real credit to you that you've been able to get that right. And I, I just can't uh, thank you enough uh, for that. And uh, I think that the, I don't know what the next 125 years will prank. <laughs> None of us do. But I know that here in this Commonwealth, we're very blessed to have a reporting service uh, that has uh, the talent that you've been able to recruit. I do want to point out Mike Norton um, I'm not sure where you are I haven't had a chance to see you today right but um, over 25 years I don't know if that's correct but starting off um, early on in your career and starting here and then elevating to the editor um, and not just using this as sort of a, an internship or a learning lab which you are in in some ways for reporters to learn how to do it and go to other places but to stay through it. Uh, We thank you uh, for your leadership. Um, Really great. Um, I think think the final point I would make uh, above and beyond the objective factual reporting that is so essential uh, to uh, sort of clear out all the noise and uh, stuff that comes with our business, uh, is the idea that people can get a, a look into public service. Because you're sitting literally in a place where uh, government sits. And all of the uh, components of government, the judicial branch, through the governor's council, the agencies of the executive branch, and the legislature do their business here. And you report on all of that, and it gives people across the state some insight and a peek into public service, and uh, all of the people that are part of it, elected and appointed and choose this as their career. That government in Massachusetts works, uh, and when it doesn't, you point that out. (laughs) And they have a collection of information and facts that they can rely on. And uh, for all of us here uh, in this commonwealth, we come to 125th anniversary to say, Thank you. We are grateful and continue to do, uh, do what you're doing. As Governor Baker would often say, when you find something that's working, just keep doing more of it. And I think tonight is a celebration uh, in 125 years of something that's working quite well in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts that we're proud of. So keep doing more of it. Congratulations. Very
2: nice. well said. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, it's uh, actually, of course, as everyone's pointed out, really a night about uh, journalism and the news service and journalists. So we're going to make sure the reporters have the last word here. (laughs) And we have uh, two of the best in town. We wish we had time to hear from a lot more, but we've picked uh, two people who have been using the news service basically forever. (laughs) And we want them to share a couple of their uh, thoughts and s- stories and then uh, get back to the uh, conviving first uh, Peter Lucas of the one of our oldest
0: subscribers
2: in every sense of the word
0: I just want everybody to know that I'm not here because I'm the best it's I'm here because I'm the oldest <laughs> and uh, uh, I was surprised to get invited I thought you know that Craig uh, holding this event in the Documents Room was going to name it after me. (laughs) (laughs) Because what do you need a room called the Documents Room when there's no documents? (laughs) I mentioned to the speaker, he said no, no, no way. He said it's going to be named after me. (laughs) (laughs) The longest serving speaker in the history of Massachusetts. You know, I go back a long way with the new service and uh, I just have to tell you I have a hundred stories, but I'm only going to tell one. And that's when I first started out as a, become a reporter. I wanted to become a reporter writer. And I got out of Boston University, and I went to all the Boston newspapers. There were seven at the time, looking for a job. And I couldn't get one. No one would hire me, because I had no experience. So I finally got my first newspaper job in Springfield, and uh, did all the basics and learned the craft as well as I could. And uh, came back to Boston, went to all the papers again. And I got an interview at the Boston Globe. And the fellow said to me, well, if we hire you, what would you like to do five years from now? I said, gee, I'd like to cover the State House." And he made a note. And I never heard from him again. (laughs) And I went to the Herald and bothered them for a while. And I went to the Boston Traveler, which was the afternoon paper of the Boston Herald Traveler. And the editor saw me, and he said, geez, are you here again? (laughs) And I said, yeah. And he said, all right, we'll give you a job. And so I was elated. So I moved from Springfield back to Somerville, where I'd been living. And two weeks later, I reported to the city editor, who was a wonderful man, by the way, uh, by the name of Norman Gray, and uh, figuring that I'd be working on the night shift and covering police headquarters and stuff like that. When I walked in, he said, uh, Well, you're here. What do you want to do? I said, Gee, I'd like to cover the state house. <laughs> and he said, You know where it is? I said, Yeah. He said, All right, go up there and see a guy by the name of Hearn. So I walked out and I was in the, went to the press room up here in the fourth floor. And when I got there, there were about 20, 25 reporters in there, all, all men, all guys, no women. And everybody smoked cigars, cigarettes pipes, ashtrays were overflowing, there were no cell phones back then, no Instagram, no tape recorders and uh, all the phones were ringing, guys were yelling at each other, everybody had deadlines, there were three reporters from the AP, three reporters from the UPI, three reporters from the Traveler, the Herald, Fall River newspaper, Taunton Gazette, everybody was in there and it was a madhouse Representatives would come in with press releases. There were 240 of them at the time. And uh, they'd look for a place to hang out because nobody had an office. And uh, it was just complete turmoil. And I thought, boy, this is exciting. It's a really exciting place. I couldn't wait for my first assignment. And I didn't get it. I was there for about two or three days. And finally, Hearn said, "Uh, go cover this hearing. Uh, The Motor Vehicle Committee, there's some hearing. Go cover it. And you have to say, all the, all the rooms you see up here, which are offices, were all hearing rooms. Hearings were very important. People came and actually testified in public on legislation, which has become a rarity these days. Anyway, I go to the Committee on Motor Vehicles and I'm sitting there and this young rep is uh, talking. He's got a bill uh, on uh, p- police towing cars. Apparently the police, even back then, were towing cars and they were towing cars in the north end where he lived and people were very upset. So he says at the committee he's disgusted with the Boston police. They're getting two dollars kickback for every car towed. Whoa. And the chairman questioned them. He said, Are you sure? They're getting two bucks for every car towed. And it's a disgrace, it's a crime, it's a shame, we gotta do something about it. I was like, gee, this is a hell of a story. So I look around, there's no other reporter there, and I said, this is like a scoop. So I go back to the press room, and uh, you had two ways of getting the story back to the office back then. Either telephoned it to a rewrite person, or we had a little telex machine. So I got on the telex machine, and I wrote the story. And back then, The Traveler had five editions, and as The Globe did, too, all the papers, because people got the news from the newspapers then. 50 years ago. There were no television news, uh, radio was sparsely covered this place. Anyway, the first edition went at 10, so the second edition was coming out at noon and uh, I was hoping you know get my first story in, in the travel. and copy boy came up around one o'clock with the second edition of the paper and it's plastered all over page one. tow, payola charged. State rep accuses cops of taking bribes. Wow, what a story! You know, and I was really happy and proud of myself. And the, other, the reporters from the competing record American—they were upset because they got scooped. And the Globe was down the other end of the building. They didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was—but it was—it was, it was a big—it was a big deal my first story and at page 1 I got this big byline I still got went down the archives and got it <laughs> <laughs> so, so about an hour or two later I'm still I'm still you know it's a big win big big I'm a big shot for about a, an hour and a half because then the police got the word. They got the paper. They were very upset. Six six police sergeants came to the state house, very angry. Okay, and they come up to the press room looking for me, because my name's on the paper. So we had a lot of men in there, you know. And they, you know, I'm just a kid, and, and they like sort of hid me behind them. Ah, oh, he's not here. He went home. <laughs> well, we gotta we gotta talk to him. This story we wanna. He's not here. He's over the Golden Dome drinking. He's not here. <laughs> so then they went looking for the rep, Mike Nazaro. And Mike was a little guy, a nice guy. I think he was a freshman rep, and he, he's down in the house lobby. So the cops go down in the house lobby looking for Mike, and they get him, and he's surrounded. There was a picture in the paper. He's surrounded by these cops, and he's only about five foot four, and he denies he said it. <laughs> I never said it. I never said anything. I love cops. This. That. And they come. the cops come back upstairs. He said, how can you write a story? I'm still hidden in the back, by the way. How can you write a, run the a story, the rep denies it? And I said, oh, jeez, I'm going to get fired. My, in my first week in the job, I'm going to get fired. I called my wife and I said, you know those boxes that we got? I said, don't open them. <laughs> we may be going back to Springfield. <laughs> so everybody's running around. It's because the paper went crazy with the story. And now, you know, Hearn says to me, you got this right? I said, yeah, it's my notes, my notes here. No tape recorder, nothing like that. Here's my notes. I'm showing my notes. He said, you sure you got this right? And I'm sitting there, geez, maybe I didn't get it right. I'm starting to get defensive. And then the, the Herald reporters come to work. See, they came after, after we went home. They came on. And they have to do a follow-up. And they start questioning me. Are you sure you got this right? Nah, I'm getting tired of this. I'm I'm saying, my $106 a week is going to disappear. That's what I, you know, and that's what the rent was, you know, and uh, I think I'm out of a job. So while this is going on, a reporter or a, a person comes in the room and he's got a bow tie and a jacket on. And I had seen him at the hearing. I thought he was a rep or maybe a lobbyist or something. It turns out he was a reporter from the news service, which I didn't even know existed. (laughs) And he comes in the room, and he's got his notebook, and he says, Look, I just want to tell you guys that Nazaro, the rep, said what he said. And Peter Lucas is right, and I got it in my notes right here. And so the next day, the Herald does a story. I'm exonerated. I went, (laughs) in one day, I went from hero to bum to hero again. (laughs) Thanks to the news service. (laughs) And that's when I bonded with the news service. (laughs) And that reporter is right there, Jim McLaughlin. There he is, right there. So, I've been a fan of the new service, uh, you know, all these years, and I just want to say, <clears throat> those were the Ryan brothers who ran it at that, at that time. And now, it's in the hands of a bunch of deplorables, but they <laughs> do the best they can.
2: Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much, Peter. Well, that's Peter, (laughs) and that's the news service. And to wrap things up, we have uh, (laughs) a a counterpoint, perhaps. (laughs) Uh, It's still a 2 newspaper town, and uh, one of its most respected reporters became a two-newspaper journalist not too long ago, to the chagrin of some people uh, and to the delight of others, which is as it should be. So to um, to conclude our speakers, it's my privilege to uh, introduce a long-time friend and mentor and role model, Shelley Cohen.
6: I think. I think. Friend, mentor, role model is just another way of saying, oh, she's really old, treat her kindly. <laughs> so here I am, I'm feeling a little like um, the best man at a wedding, and I do have to give you, because I'm sort of the best man at this wedding, um, a little bit of history um, about when I was a little girl reporter uh, at the State House, which was indeed just shortly after the first Ice Age, <laughs> uh, and probably a little bit behind Peter Lucas. Uh, but at that point, um, UPI had um, six reporters, AP had five reporters of whom I was one. Uh, the Globe had five or six reporters and a couple columnists. The Herald had uh, about five or six reporters and eventually a columnist. Uh, and next door, uh, Helen Woodman uh, was cranking out Statehouse News Service copy uh, on a mimeograph machine. And if you reached into the cubby a little too soon, you got all that purple stuff all over your fingers. Um, And it was a golden age of Statehouse reporting. And Statehouse News Service was a a nice to have, especially if you didn't want to stay late and um, especially if you couldn't get to all of those committee hearings, some of which were not so exciting. So flash forward about four decades and, um, well, UPI no longer exists. AP, is there anybody here from AP? Well, I rest my case. Yes, one, yes, yes, please, please, yes. So, um, yes, down to, down. that counts. <laughs> all right, mm-hmm. down to a precious few. Um, the Globe, thank goodness, has Matt Stout, who came from the Herald, all, all good. Um, and I wish I had about a buck for every time in a Herald editorial I had to say, according to State House News Service. Uh, or the, told, the speaker told State House News Service. Um, so yes, we are living in a very different world today. Uh, we on the journalist side of the chat. Um, and um, life is not as easy as it was a half century ago. And State House News Service is no longer a nice to have; it's a must have. Um, so we are grateful to Craig and his crew for all that they do, day in and day out. We are <laughs> grateful for their late nights for being places uh, that we can't always be. But it's not just about us. We are also grateful um, for their presence in this building, because with all due respect to our legislative leaders um, who are here tonight, um, this building is a better place a more honest place, a more open and transparent place because of the work of State House News Service. So, um, if you will join me, those of you who have glasses, um, and you journalists, if you don't, standards have really fallen. (laughs) Um, So, please raise a glass, in tribute, to State House News Service we are grateful for what you have been doing we are grateful for your presence in this building and many many years ahead
2: yeah, 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 yeah. In the time-honored
1: words of journalism, the bars over there, thank you all for coming. We're glad we were able to bring Wednesday night's program to you through this podcast. Thanks for sticking around. Again, the name of the book is On Top of Beacon Hill. That's on Amazon.com. Our story is the story of a dogged perseverance. To selectively borrow a few lines from Tennyson, One equal temper of heroic hearts, strong in will, to strive to seek, to find, and not to yield. We're back next week with a regular edition of The Takeout to take us out of here this Friday afternoon into this weekend. We'll go back to our former co worker up here at the State House, Jimmy Vincent. Hi.